Hello and welcome to Little Love Hearts podcast. May is Maternal Mental Health Awareness Month and from the 3rd to the 9th of May it is Maternal Mental Health Awareness Week. Throughout May I'm going to be dedicating the podcast to maternal mental health. I'm going to be joined by some amazing women who are going to share their stories and struggles with you. Some of which are still in the thick of it, others have come through the other side All of these women want to share their story so that you will know that you are not alone. To be joined by Sarah from Wave Hypnobirthing. Sarah and I were lucky enough to do our hypnobirthing teacher training together back in uh, November, October, (laughs) sometime last year. It was a really lovely way to meet each other and to um, break up the old lockdown life. Um, I'm delighted that Sarah's come along to talk to us today and to share her experiences. Um, Sarah's going to be talking to us in particular about postnatal depression and the impact that it has had on um, subsequent pregnancies um, and just her experience and her journey through um, her recovery, um, as is the theme for Maternal Mental Health Awareness Week. So, Sarah, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and where you've hit the birthing? Yes. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am Sarah. I live in Bridport in Dorset, and I am the owner of Wave Hit the Birthing. I trained last year with Nicola and had the pleasure of um, qualifying in December time, I think it was, and um, just absolutely obsessed with hypnobirthing. Um, I is something that I started training in um, when I well training as in no not training I did that middle of last year but um I became aware of hypnobirthing about 12 years ago when I was pregnant with my first child um uh I was very lucky to be offered a free course with my midwife and um I did that with my husband and just fell in love with the the whole thing it was um completely um changed my view on birth I was quite nervous about it but actually it sort of made me not nervous anymore and Mm -hmm. I had um a reasonably nice first birth at home I was very lucky to have a home birth and um although there were some things that that happened that um may not have gone exactly as I'd wanted to and the hip birthing definitely helped with that um and I it's just something a subject that I've always loved talking about since and if ever anyone asked me about it or um which didn't happen very often in the last few years it's been more because it's become more and more known um I'm sort of the friend that people get referred to if they were um if they were thinking about it oh talk to Sarah because she's done it and she loved it and it's something I just rave about for hours um and it's the one thing I've sort of stayed interested in my whole for that whole year uh, 10 years really um so yeah and then and I I just decided last year lockdown happened um had a bit of an epiphany at one point I just thought I can't I I need to do something um different um I was um, mainly a stay-at-home mum with um, helping with my husband's business um and I just felt like I wanted to do something for myself and um hip birthing sort of training came to me and I found this calm birth school which is where I did my training and love it absolutely love it I love what I do and I love helping other mums and other other people um, I, think, I think that really comes across with you like your passion 
you know, from the first time that we met, your passion about hypnobirthing. And I think all of us hypnobirthing teachers have that because either we've had such a positive experience with hypnobirthing ourselves or perhaps the other way that we didn't have a great experience and we want to change that for other women because we know how transformational birth is and how and that definitely really shines through with you. I think, Sarah, your, your passion and, you know, the fact that you want to shout about it from the rooftops. I think it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I do. I do. I do feel like that. That's that's um, it's something like I said, I, I'm a bit I can be a little bit sort of flitting from one thing to another. But hypnobirthing has been sort of constant thing in my life since I had my first. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's I, I was always meant to do this at some point. Mm-hmm. And it's actually led me to want to go on and train further. It's made me realize doing training last year that actually I do still have a brain and I can still do things. And um, it's actually made me want to go ahead and, and train to be a midwife next year as well. So it's um, opened up my, I feel like it's opened up a whole opportunity of, um, you know, a whole little world for me. So yeah, I'm really pleased. That's amazing. That's really brilliant. I mean, how lucky would a woman be to have you or a birthing person have you by their side, like a trained midwife and a trained hypnobirthing instructor who's been through it, who's lived it as a mum? Oh, um, yeah, I'd ha- I hope so. Um, I mean, you know, you do have some little doubts sometimes, but I, it's some, it's funny. I, I, I always think, you know, I'm 38 now and there's I've always had this thing that I felt like I should know what I wanted to do from a very young age you know why don't I know what I want I mean I had a I had a really good um job that I definitely could have progressed in when I fell pregnant with my first but I don't know that it was what I wanted really wanted to do and actually it's taken me this long I'm you know 38 um you know by the time I qualify as long as I get on the degree course it'll be you know I'll be 42 and someone did say to me well you know you that just think that first baby you deliver will be 20 odd by the time you retire you just got to think of it that way and I was like actually yeah that that's that's I'll still get a good a good little run at it hopefully and um I don't think I could have done it 10-15 years ago honestly I don't think I would I wasn't that person that I am now so um yeah I'm I'm I know I may have come to it a bit late but I'm excited not not at all you've come to it at exactly the right time like I said, yeah. the wealth of experience that you're bringing, like your personal experience, your lived experience, that's that's invaluable. And, you know, that yeah. is definitely something that, you know, so many mums and birthing persons will really benefit from. So, yeah, no, I think it's <laughs> a perfect time. The perfect time. <laughs> so, um, so obviously we're, we're talking about mental health um, this month. And so did you suffer with um, postnatal depression after your first child or...? Yes, with my first. So, um, as I said, I had very straightforward pregnancy, very um, pretty much straightforward birth. I did a five-week hypnobirthing course and um, was then able to use the techniques in my first birth. Um, I think looking back on it, I had a midwife that was not very confident with me being at home because it was my first. I had I had a lot of people tell me that I was crazy, that I was brave, that I was mad that I was trying to have a home birth you know for my first child and actually to me it made sense completely and I've talked about this all the time but the fact that I feel like if you give birth best way you're most comfortable and my comfortable Mm -hmm. was at home um but the midwife I had was not so comfortable and actually I think looking back only now looking back and being able to see that is is how I was able to sort of um come to that conclusion that it wasn't anything I did during the birth it was more how I was directed and the fact that I didn't really mm-hmm. feel I could um say you know object but um I ended up having 
I ended up having um, to have had stitches which were um, without any pain relief at all. And actually, it's only now I look back on it and I talk about it. I'm like, actually, that was re- actually quite traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that part of, of the birth more than anything else. And it actually really upset me. Um, and it was, I'm sure lots of women have I don't know if lots of women have had that happen before, but because they had forgotten the gas and air, believe it or not. Um, so I had nothing. And um, yeah, so looking back on it now and, and then having another home birth just four years ago with a dedicated home birth team who are in a different county area who are amazing, made me realise actually how my birth could have been if I'd, you know, but and I, would, I do wonder now if that did affect me in in some ways because I'd had this lovely pregnancy and then this labor and then that happened and then I I did find it quite hard I was just left with this baby and I remember feeling like the midwife just couldn't get wait to get out of there she just wanted to go (laughs) um understandably I think she'd been there goodness I I I had a I think she'd been there since sort of late afternoon and I had her sort of in the evening so it was you know it was an all-day thing but I I found it really difficult to um, I didn't feel that rush of love when she was born, which everyone talks about. Um, I absolutely loved her. And I, I couldn't believe that I'd, I was in shock. I couldn't believe I'd made this little human. Um, but I didn't definitely didn't feel that when she was born, which made me feel guilty um, for a long time. I felt like actually that am I a bad mum then I'm not really meant to be doing this and if that's not what I felt mm-hmm. um and then I've over the few she was born in the September and my parents live 100 miles away from where I was as well so my mum bless her came and stayed for a week after she was born it was lovely and we were sort of this lovely baby bubble um and then I just sort of got life got back to normal and husband went back to work and um I just kind of felt a bit I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> I mean, who does? But also I was trying to follow this ridiculous um, book. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of it on here, but um, it was all the rage, Gina Ford, all the rage 12 years ago, you know, 12, 11 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, in order to try and breastfeed my baby on a schedule. I mean, now, again, looking back, even saying those words sounds ridiculous because I now know what I know about breastfeeding and about how that I pretty much this book basically sabotaged my journey of trying to breastfeed because I think if I'd just gone with what I felt was right rather than what mm-hmm. I the book was telling me I would have definitely um you know probably got stick, stuck at it a little bit longer um which I did for five weeks and I I struggled I had lots of pain um I I was I was 26 when I had my first so I felt like I nobody else I knew was breastfeeding I had I was very lucky in that I had a small group of friends that all having their babies around the same time. My best friend had her baby um, three months before I had mine. So, um, you know, I had a group of sort of core group of friends that I did see a lot, but none of them were breastfeeding. Um, My mum obviously was far away. Um, I didn't have anyone else really that was, that had had ever breastfed around me. Um, I did go to a couple of groups, but I didn't really find that um, I was able to sort of, make friends there and again I wonder if that was just me going into myself a little bit I wasn't I didn't feel like I was I sort of the only way I can describe it is this sort of gradual detachment from the person that I was before I felt like I was um almost had like a black cloud hovering over me all the time and I felt a little bit like Eeyore (laughs) I just was Mm. I was really sort of um 
and you know a bit down and it was mm -hmm. a real gradual thing it wasn't like a overnight thing but it was a real gradual thing for me um <clears throat> and then it was in the December I think we had a lot of snow where we were and I couldn't we physically couldn't get out in the car of our street because we were lived on a hill and our car wasn't four-wheel drive so we I had to attempt to walk anywhere with a three-month-old baby in a pram was just not practical so I spent a lot of time indoors in our flat or by myself when my husband was at work um and then we had Christmas and I remember feeling it was her first Christmas and thinking I oh, just feeling like I just wasn't I just felt a bit miserable the whole time I didn't I felt like I should be feeling really happy and I've got some lovely photos of us all looking very smiley but I just I don't know I, I look back on some of the pictures and I'm like I don't think I was very happy there um and we we spent Christmas in Dorset with my, my my parents which was lovely and then we got back and January as, as January is always quite miserable we had more snow and I remember just I remember I just had my husband getting in from work and just handing my babe Isla to him and saying I, I can't she she was having a little bit of colic as well at that time she was crying all the time I remember standing by the window waiting for him to come home from work rocking her because she wouldn't be put down I'm sure every mum's been there <laughs> uh, um and I just felt like it wasn't I wasn't myself it was a really strange feeling um and I remember talking to my husband about it just breaking down and being really upset and crying and you know again and he was like look we can't go on like this we need to go and see someone I think so I went to the GP who I'd been to before for other things and I was really expecting him to be completely uninterested if I'm honest um but actually he was really good and he I just sat and cried in his office for about 10 minutes and he was really lovely and he listened he said it sounds to me like you're having a touch of postnatal depression and just saying those words I mean by this time Isla was four months old so it had been a while and it had been a slow build, but having someone else sort of in authority acknowledge that there's, there is something wrong. It's mm -hmm. not that you're just a terrible mother, which is how I felt every minute of every day and that I couldn't do it. It was that there was something actually wrong in, with my hormones and chemical balance in my brain, mm -hmm. um, made it feel okay and made it feel like actually I'm, I'm, I, I hopefully I will get better you know maybe he, he prescribed me some antidepressants and he he um referred me for talking therapies right then and there which was great um and I remember walking home from that appointment in the snow in the dark crying because <laughs> it was about 10 minute walk from my house and but also be feeling almost relieved that I'd managed to talk to someone and that actually this hopefully would have been the start of me getting some somewhere with it um it wasn't an instant thing I started taking antidepressants which made me feel quite spaced out okay. um and still I remember we had a photo shoot done with Isla when she was in the sort of May time so she would have been about nine months old something like that and um and I've got those photos and I can't I've never been able to really look at them without feeling how I felt back then it's a really strange feeling like we've got these, you know they're lovely photos and um, a friend of ours came to the house and house and did it and you know and I, I remember there's a picture of my husband holding her and I remember thinking to myself god like actually still at that point when we'd got these photos which was in the May so five months after I'd started or four months after I started taking the antidepressants that would they would be okay if I wasn't here like I remember that 
and I and it it now whenever I still look at that photo I think god that's that's awful like that's how I how I felt about myself and that you know and so it did it did take a long time and I tried um the talking therapies which I don't know if I'm entirely in agreement with the way it's run to be honest um you know that they mine was a group of women sitting in a room with their babies trying to talk about postnatal depression which actually is really personal and really Mm. individual thing and actually I don't know if I can I, I didn't find it useful at all I mean some people might have found that useful but um I don't know men I've spoken to women since who have used that tried you know that was the first step of the counseling that the NHS offers and mm-hmm. um I found it not very helpful at all in fact I don't think I even went I think I went to four of the six and stopped going afterwards and no one even chased me up I think I just didn't go because I didn't find it very comfortable I didn't you know it was a really strange atmosphere um I also didn't tell anyone as well so I was kind of I told my mum my mum knew because just after I was diagnosed I went down and stayed with them for a week and she sort of looked after me for a week but I don't even think I told my mother-in-law bless her for a long time I think my husband told her eventually but none of my friends knew just my husband and I don't I don't know why I didn't tell anyone it's such a strange thing now because I'm such a talker normally and I like to thrash things out and I hate things being left overnight Mm -hmm. and things like that um but I didn't tell anyone which probably made it so much harder for me as well um I then was referred on to the reason I'm just thinking about why I didn't when I'm saying I didn't tell anyone my best friend lives right near the children's center where I used to have to go for these two group counseling sessions and I remember thinking when I go oh god I have to think of something to say to her if she sees me why am I here like how ridiculous is that because it wasn't my local children's center it's her children's center that she lived near and I'm sure if I said that to her now she'd just be like you're ridiculous but (laughs) um it was a genuine concern of mine that she would catch me going to these (laughs) sessions I mean god that's the shame I felt with it the shame on the you know but then I started seeing an individual counsellor as well mm-hmm. after that um and that again I don't know if the counsellor was a good fit for me we it I did my sessions and it was fine but uh, it was very um heavy on the um CBT which is um cognitive behavioral therapy which again I think fit works for some people but others it it doesn't unfortunately for me it didn't work as well and I didn't find it very useful um and I think maybe those methods are great if you're in a different place but when you're right in the middle of it and you're really struggling with just day-to-day stuff trying to do anything like that is really really hard and Mm. it's something I think is maybe for more of a maintaining your mental health rather than actually fixing it in the first place if that makes sense um so I'm just trying to think and that basically was it I had sort of some counselling and then and actually the antidepressants I think were probably the thing that helped in the end I was on them for about 18 months and I remember feeling around the time that uh, my daughter turned one even that I was starting to feel a little bit better and then I I came off them those at the middle of the the following year and um and then I was sort of okay you know I felt okay um and of course around that time she was 18 months old people start you know oh you can have another one and things like that and we started thinking about having another one and 
I just didn't want to. I was so scared. I was so scared that she would, that I would have the same thing happen again, that I would have the same birth again. Um, and it was a real, it became a real mental block for me. Um, we wouldn't talk, I wouldn't talk about it. And then if I, then we did start talking about it. It was like a, um, you know, maybe, maybe soon, but it was just really loose. And then actually um, I did, come off the pill and we started sort of trying you know actively thinking about trying and then um it just didn't happen but with first time around I'd had um I'd got just got this pretty good job and then I thought oh well, it'll be ages and I literally fell pregnant within two months so I thought I thought you know it's gonna be that way again and it wasn't it was getting on for nearly a year and um and I was like well this is maybe we should go see someone if it's taking this long like it's you know it's unusual anyway I, I went to um a hypnotherapist my husband had been going for, for hypnotherapy for something else and then I and I he said to me go you go see this woman because I was having trouble with my jaw which is really random but basically holding tension in my jaw mm-hmm. and um and he said if anything she'll just teach you relaxation techniques and it might be useful so he paid for me to do a couple of sessions with this hypnotherapist and I remember having this conversation with her and she said to me, you're, um, we, we somehow got onto the subject of having another baby and, and that's what I wanted. And she sort of said to me, oh, you know, I feel like you're blocking yourself. You're stopping yourself from having that baby. You're stopping yourself from falling pregnant. And I was like, that's ridiculous. You can't stop yourself from, falling, you know, want this baby. There's no way I'm stopping mm-hmm. myself. Um, but actually she did, we did some like relaxation work and um, she showed me uh, the tapping technique and mm-hmm. the, um, she just sort of, I, I can't even explain what she did. We just sort of, she just talked to me under sort mm-hmm. of a, you know, relax me down and talk to me. And um, I mean, I fell pregnant the next month, but I don't know, could have been a coincidence. And but I I wonder again it's that thing with hindsight you look back and you're like oh maybe it was that maybe it was that mm-hmm. I was just completely blocking myself from mentally from even letting that come into my life um, and having and knowing what I know now about sort of you know um, how your mental how your mental health and can affect your physical body as much so much and how it's all so linked you know I I do think that was something there some sort of blockage that I was having going on um and yeah and then I fell pregnant with her and I remember I had a completely different pregnancy with her um she's she was she was a pain right from the get-go and she still is now at mm-hmm. eight years old but she I had um I had placenta previous so I ended up having a cesarean so it's all planned cesarean completely different type of pregnancy and birth and I just remember seeing her for the first time and feeling that I loved her so much. Like she was my, I had that rush of love that I didn't have for my first. And, and I just felt that instantly with her, even though she'd come out in a completely different way and it was very medical and it was just, it was lovely. And I remember having that little bubble with her for two days or three days while I was in hospital and just loving it. And it felt so different to when I'd had my first. And obviously, you know, my first, she's, I love her so much now and and I I did but it was just in a very different way um mm-hmm. now all of them equally obviously but it was very different in those first early days with her I noticed it so my my fears were completely unfounded I didn't need to have worried about it but I can understand that if I hadn't have got the help that I got the first time around 
it could have led into happening again second time I don't know but yeah I've just gone on there I no, not but... <laughs> I mean thank you so much for sharing it's it's amazing and I think there's you know there's so many things like from the beginning when you said about um following your Gina Ford book and it, you know oh. and that thing as as new mothers you want someone to tell you what to do don't you yeah absolutely yeah Definitely. And you just, I remember so many times whenever like midwives came around or whatever, and I'd be like, just tell me what to do. Just tell <laughs> me exactly what to do. And I will do whatever you tell me to do yeah. to the letter. But obviously you, you can't, you can't, you need to follow your instincts. Right. You need to do what is right for you and right for baby. And what's right for my baby won't be right for your baby. And no. And vice and versa. You're so susceptible as a new mum, aren't you, to, to all these outside influences. And you know, I was quite lucky with my mum because she was very supportive of everything I did. She kind of took a step back without, but she came forward when I needed her to come forward. If I needed her, like, you know, coming up and staying with me for a week, she did that with both my girls. And then by, when I had my third, I was already living here, near her. So she didn't mm-hmm. have to do that. But um, it, it kind of, it's really difficult, especially now because you've got so much, you know, you just pop onto it social media for a second and you were bombarded with advice whether it's mm-hmm. wanted or not um constant and and it's hard to know you kind of I felt like I didn't have that instinct I didn't have any I, I really feel like I want I wonder if I had that more the third time round, if I'm honest because I felt like I didn't have that instinct I was following this book and that was telling me what I needed to know I'd read a book about breastfeeding but while I was pregnant that told me what I needed to know about that and you know it's very <clears throat> it's very prescriptive and it, it isn't motherhood is not like that you need to follow your you need to be able to tune into what your gut is telling you and I felt like I didn't have that mm-hmm. at all I don't know if you can teach that that would be amazing wouldn't it <laughs> I know people try and teach it yeah I think it's definitely something that, that comes and it's more like leaning in and trusting yourself yes trusting it's, yourself. It's, it's always there and I think maybe that's the thing that you can teach you can teach or encourage people to trust themselves and to yeah you know to know what's best and so many stories you hear about you know mum on, on baby and you know not letting it go with the doctor and going no there's something wrong there's something wrong and then you know one in a million diagnosis is that yeah mm. the mum hadn't spotted it or if the mum hadn't known and I think that's it we are you know we are animals aren't we and we talk yeah. about this hypnobirthing that we are ultimately really clever evolved animals yeah. <laughs> and so like like animals know like you, know, you can get dogs that sniff out cancer and things like yeah. that it's, yeah. we are amazing and, and especially at that primal point with a newborn you know that fourth trimester I think we are very primal mm. um, and we sort of need to just trust ourselves and not yeah. think that the answer is in buying loads of stuff or you know, yeah. re- reading all the books and of course the stuff helps and the books help you know I'm not but I think it is just especially for first-time mums you really need to just know that you you do actually know you know yeah at that point um, and something else you, you were talking about with your your counselling um being the group session um I think that's also something that um Liz on uh, last week's podcast she was talking about as well she went in and you know, in a room with other people. Um, and it's interesting, whenever I had mine for postnatal um, anxiety, I was actually given the choice. It's like, do you want to do group session or do you want to do individual, like one-to-one? And I was like, yeah, not group. 
Yeah, I don't think I got the choice. I think it was just that. And then if that didn't work out, you went on to the, to, you know, you, the list for the, uh, I mean, this was 11, 10 years ago now, but it was, it was more, yeah, you got put on the list for the individual counselling sessions, which again, again, I felt like we were a bit rushed. I mean, I'd had um, private counselling a few years before that for a bereavement that I'd had um, in my family. And um I saw a proper psychotherapist it was through work sort of a work scheme so it's you know private healthcare type thing and com- in comparison to that it was so much more thorough there the, the one I'd had years before but I understand that the NHS are under huge constraints and it's just not possible to be able to offer that to everyone um so I mean I, I might have benefited at that point from having um you know more counselling in a in a sort of mm-hmm. private setting. I don't think f- financially at that time we were able to have done it, but which meant which is why it was it took sort of two two years really for me to go and see this hypnotherapist that I saw. Um, and again, I never would have thought a hypnotherapist would have been able to help me in that way. You know, just being able to sort of talk to your subconscious mind and um, heal you in that respect, rather than just a, a normal counsellor who you talk to. Um, they're all really beneficial but I do think it is that thing of it's not one size all fits all for, yeah. for for healing um after postnatal depression you you do what you need to do and it doesn't always work and don't feel bad if the tablets don't work immediately don't feel bad if they don't um if the right if the, the tablets you're on don't help or the dose you're on doesn't help you know um go back keep going back to your gp i just kind of sort of drifted along keeping the same tablets on the same dosage and gradually wean myself off them with the doctor's help um but it's definitely not the same for everyone it's, you know and i think that's the thing it's like between nhs trusts it's completely different you know like i said i was offered a choice and obviously you weren't this was what was given to you and the same respect you know your GP sounded like he was amazing and like listened to you and responded to you and got a plan in motion straight away whereas unfortunately you know you hear stories of other women who've had a complete opposite experience yeah. and gone in time and time again like begging for help and yeah I don't I don't know what I would have done if if that happened to me I think it would have made me even worse and I would have just been in despair I think because mm-hmm that that was quite a turning point for me that appointment so yeah that's really hard if you're faced with that mm-hmm. and I think that you're saying that you feeling a little bit ashamed or embarrassed that you you didn't want to t- talk to your friends or, or tell people but I think for, for me I think you need to process things before yeah. and I think until you've got it straight in your own mind you can't kind of like answer other people's questions or yeah and it, it almost sometimes it's hard when you know that people want to try and fix you you know because yeah. your friends want, want you to be well don't they which of course is... yeah and I remember I did I, I can't even remember when it was I told my best friends it was sort of um and some of them some of my friends probably don't even know still so I'm like telling them that if they listen, they listen <laughs> and then I'll tell them that but I I hid it for a long long time and I didn't but I did I do remember when I did start to talk about it I did feel okay about telling them at that point and I remember my best friend saying to me like why didn't you say anything and I was like I don't know really I just didn't want to tell anyone and I just didn't it was a very private thing Mm -hmm. but it was very unlike me like I say I'm quite a talker and I like to sort of get things out in the open normally so it was a bit of a switch up for me to not be that way but Mm -hmm. 
um, I'm, the, the, you know, the people that I told in, in the end and the people that knew were totally amazing and supported me. And, you know, I'm glad that I did tell them eventually. But, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. I don't know why I didn't say anything to anyone at the time. But that's the other thing. It's, you know, whenever you are, you know, you're suffering from me- mental unwellness, you know, we've all got mm. mental health, but when your mental health is suffering you're not yourself and you, no. you don't do the things that you would normally do so like you say your normal go-to is to talk and to you know talk things out but you know it's okay to sort of feel that you need to retreat you know to yeah. go inside because you are dealing with a lot and obviously mm. at that point you were caring for a, a tiny baby as well yeah you said had, had colic and mm. you know all of the other things that we have to deal with as a new mum, just like sleep deprivation and you know everything on top of it um but yeah, so it's just to say, don't don't give yourself a hard time about <laughs> about <laughs> that because you, you can't. You you weren't. Your, no, you weren't that's yourself. it. I'm not. That's it. And I can look back on that now and see that I wasn't myself. And it's just, yeah. you know, um, it was a period in my life that I'm, um, I am still a bit sad about because I feel like I I did miss out a little bit. On, I don't know. I I've got to not. No, you're right. I haven't got. I need to not be so hard on myself because it is. It was. I wasn't well and yeah I wasn't it, it affected me to the point that I didn't go back to work I had this job that I I loved before I was pregnant and then um thinking again it would be a while till I fell pregnant I had to go through my training horrendously sick of morning sickness and not telling anyone again um and then I fixed my hours I was going to go back I had it already and then I just couldn't I just couldn't cope with it you know I took an extra three months so I had the whole year off and then so I almost put it back, put it back, and then I just couldn't, I couldn't go back to it. And then my husband again was amazing and really supportive about it, and um, he was happy for me to just. I had another job that I was working like in a bank staff, so I carried on doing that, which was really good as well. But it meant that I could just do it around his work rather than leaving her with anyone. I think that's what it was. I didn't want to leave her with anyone, yeah. but um, yeah. So that was that's that was hard as well so I felt like that whole period of my life just sort of ended when I had her so I think that was part of it as well grieving that sort of previous life that we'd had um you know this baby that was so wanted but yeah I also felt really sad that I didn't have this job that I really wanted for a long time mm-hmm. um so yeah there's that as well it's <laughs> really but I, th- I think that is completely normal and I think it's one thing that when we prepare for baby like we'll prepare for the birth we'll prepare the nursery you know get the travel system whatever whatever but we don't actually think about what is has has gone Mm. I think it's only sort of a few months in that you're like oh yeah I can't just pop to the shop on my own yeah if if I've got to like take a whole entourage with me yeah and you know you can't just you know go to the cinema or you know even you know, arranging to meet a friend, it's like, oh, well, what time's nap time? And, oh, yeah. well, they're going to need a napping chair. <clears throat> and I think it is a period of, like you say, mourning, mourning a life that you once had. Um, I think, obviously, people are getting better. You know, obviously, we're talking about it. And it's amazing, obviously. You know, what we wouldn't have babies otherwise, you know. I mean, oh, of but course, it, it, yeah. It is hard. I think you're first, especially that period of adjustment. And just, like I remember saying to my husband, will we ever be able to, like, watch a TV programme again? because between like feeds or or whatever I was like 
literally it takes us like three nights to watch one program (laughs) it's so different isn't it it's like you just all your world is completely changed and no one can prepare you for it everyone sort of dances around the subject of how well life-changing it is but actually it really is it's like a little bomb going off your life but in the best way like there are you know of course don't get me wrong I'm so grateful that we were able to have her and that she was healthy and you know all, all three of the children are all you know amazing but it, it is that first one I think is definitely the the game changer because <laughs> you're yeah. never the same again and, and it's I think different people deal with that in different ways and I just didn't I couldn't deal with it very well at all and um I'm glad that I'm able to talk about it and I'm glad that it's talked about more that you know there, I don't yeah. think it was such a thing as men, maternal mental, mental health week or month um a decade ago um things have got so much better and there is so much out there so much help out there now which is is so much more accessible and people are more aware of it than when when I had my first and I hope that's just getting better really and the fact that we're even doing this podcast is amazing because hopefully if it just if one person's listening that's struggling or um is worried about struggling then at least they know you know helps out there it really is and I think the other thing is, is when you're in the thick of it, be it the feeling of depression or feelings of anxiety or just the sleepless nights, you know, you just feel like it's never going to end, don't you? And yeah. that's to, to know that, look at you, you've come through the other side of it. You've gone on to have two more beautiful children. You've set up your own successful business. You're going to train to be a midwife. All of these things do come. They do oh, come. It makes me feel really, like, proud. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Well, and do you know what? You should be proud. Well, I don't, I don't think women are very good at that, are they? We're not very good at sort of um, taking compliments and actually being proud of ourselves because it's, it's always all about, it tends to be all about the children or all mm. about you know other achievements and I think sometimes you lose that side of yourself as well and I feel like I'm getting I've got that back and that's well I've got that now whereas whether I even had it in the first place I don't know really um it but I feel like my children have been part of that that they've made me that whole journey that whole suffering as much as I did for the first couple of years of my daughter's life have made me the person I am now and and the mum I am now mm-hmm. actually um and I'm actually um, you know at the time I wasn't grateful for it but I am I feel quite grateful Definitely. been through it yeah no you should be you should be so proud of yourself um uh, there's just the two other things that you you'd mentioned about that um about having your your first birth the sort of the birth trauma is that how you feel that it was was did you ever speak to anyone about that was that ever addressed because that no. is also such a common thing for women that um have had poor or ill-managed um, medical assistance and care that has gone on to impact their mental health. Um, and again, that's something that's not talked about because as, not just as women, but as, you know, lay people, non-medical people, we're taught to sort of, we're not necessarily taught, but we end up revering or fearing people in like white coats, as it were, you know, the whole white yeah. coats and, you know, not questioning them. And obviously something in hypnobirthing that we really advocate is, question everything you know and and don't just accept it so do you feel looking back now that perhaps that did have a bigger impact than you felt that it did at the time um yes I do I didn't talk about it at the time and actually 
the hypnobirthing course that I did, which was the Marie Monger method, which is she's sort of the godmother of hypnobirthing, as it were, um, did not focus as much on um, informed choice and having choices during birth and pregnancy and things as much, nowhere near as much as I focus on it with my teaching, for example, and the Calm Birth School um, advocates for. Mm-hmm. So I think if maybe I'd had I've had a course like that when I was pregnant, I may have felt a bit stronger with it being my first birth. Um, and also I think because I was at home and I was in my own environment, there was maybe not quite as much um, sort of intervention as, as would have been had I been in the hospital. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I do feel like there were things that happened in that that I couldn't control and um my husband remembers it very differently to me because obviously I was in my little zone and Mm. um and he he said there were moments that he was really scared and that the midwife really scared him into you know the fact that um there was things that you know she really wanted this baby out and things like this that you know the language was used and things but I don't remember any of that I remember just having her it was more I I mean the end of my labor was completely not it was it went all the dim lights and everything out completely out the window because they insisted on getting me out of my birth pool and you know all these other things happened um and actually now I see that I didn't have to agree to any of that I didn't Mm -hmm. have to agree to any of it but actually I was I was in the thick of it and I was very susceptible to anything because I was um you know in the middle of labor and Mm -hmm. my first baby I didn't know what should be happening and what shouldn't be and um so I do th- I do wonder if that did affect me um but it's only been in recent years <clears throat> excuse me that I've been able to look back on that and think actually mm-hmm. maybe that is what made me so sad after my birth I don't know mm-hmm. um because also all everyone saw was the home birth everyone's like oh it's amazing you've given birth at home for your first it's brilliant it's fantastic well done and I was actually thinking to myself god but that, yes yes it is amazing however actually some of it was really traumatic for me and um mm-hmm and not being really able to feel like I could say that because I didn't want it to take away. I mean, I think women find it really hard to talk about if they've had a great birth anyway, because there Mm -hmm. seems to be this thing in society that if you haven't had a, it's like a badge of honor if you've had a horrible birth and you tell everyone about it. But I almost felt like I couldn't go there. I couldn't tell people that it was actually quite hard because people were so like, Oh, well you, but you gave birth at home. That's amazing. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, maybe that, I think that did affect me, but I didn't, talk about that really I didn't really put the two and two together while I was going through it all um it's only sort of in hindsight really yeah and I think it's nuts isn't it because if you think about it like up until the 50s 60s who who wouldn't have given birth at home I know yeah you know but it's also to say you know I was talking about the white cook syndrome it's just just always make I always really try and hammer home the point that hypnobirthing is not anti-medical intervention hypnobirthing is about the right medical intervention for the mother at the right time yeah like obviously especially with the calm birth school method we say like whatever type of birth you want to have whatever type of like home birth cesarean birth whatever it is you can use hypnobirthing tools and with your medical team Mm. um whoever that may be be it a midwife at home be it a surgeon in um in the cesarean operating room whatever it is I think that's the the important part important part that it's your choice and however you 
you know, you should never be forced to do something. No. Like, well, I don't know about you, but it always gives me shudders when people say, oh, no, I, I, I had to do this. They said I, I had to. Yes. I'm, like, oh, I'm not allowed. No. I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. I'm not allowed to do this. I'm, my, my doctor said I have to do this. Yeah. You're like, you do have choice. You always do. Yeah. It's really hard um, because people are a bit worried about going against medical advice, aren't they? Yeah. And of course, because we all want, the, you know, the primary focus is, you know, safe baby and safe mum and happy mum. I think you, the other thing that people say, um, you know, oh, at least you had a happy, you know, at least you had a, a, a healthy baby. But again, I think we're getting better at knowing like, yeah, that is obviously a priority. But the mum's experience and the mum or the birthing person's mental health is also a priority. Um, yeah. And again, I think you're right in the last how many years 10 20 years that has come along leaps and bounds hasn't it yeah I, I would hope so definitely and um, the fact that we can recognize that a little bit more and um it's taken into account as well yeah, yeah. so the theme <clears throat> of um this year's maternal mental health awareness is about the journey to recovery Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've mentioned that you, you really found that the medication helped you. Um, but what other tools helped, do you think helped you on your, on your journey to recovery? Um, having a really good support network helped me. So my husband was amazing. My, my parents were really brilliant as well at helping me. Um, and I guess eventually talking about it helped me a lot um, once I felt ready to talk about it. Um, and and just being supported in my decisions at that time Um, you know stopping breastfeeding when I did things like that you know if I if I'd maybe had more pressure from people I might not I I might not have done that and actually it was my choice to stop when I did because it was by finding it so stressful and painful Um, and and even knowing what I know now about breastfeeding and about you know if you seek support and you get more help support you you're more likely to carry on but at the time that was the right thing for me to do and I think if I'd had any outside pressure from people at that point it would have probably um, made it even worse (laughs) Um, but I didn't I was very supported in my decisions Um, so yeah just I think having a good trying to get a good support network of people around you a friend a partner um, parent whatever you've got really just even if it's just having one person that you can lean on in those really dark times um help so um obviously from your first birth you've since gone on to have two more beautiful children and do you so did you experience any feelings of postnatal depression or with the second birth no I didn't I, I was very surprised as I was convinced that Again, it's it, when you're diagnosed with something like that. It's almost like, is this it now? Am I going to be, am I going to be a depressed person, or am I going to suffer with depression for the rest of my life? And that sometimes does happen, and and that's, oh, you know, that's that's hard. But it's, I know people that live with depression, you know, day to day, and it, it's not the end of the world. It's just it is, it is what it is, and you know, they they deal with it the best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that that might be the case which is what again as we talked about what I think stopped me from having my second for for a time but after they were born no I didn't feel I mean obviously you get the usual baby blues and 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 aches and pains and um uh you know but and certainly with my third I knew he would be our last baby I had a really lovely 
healing home birth with him, which was amazing. Um, and he was quite a hard baby, but mm-hmm. as in, well, we call him a Velcro baby because he never was put down. But I had a sling. I had, you know, um, it was fine. And 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 I knew he was my last, so I kind of um, it sort of took it in a bit more and, and mm-hmm. felt sure I remembered and enjoyed tried to enjoy it as much as I can could which definitely is hard when you're sleep deprived and also nearly 10 years older than you were (laughs) Um, first but um yeah no didn't have any any of that which is I'm very grateful for that's brilliant and the, the blockers that you felt that you had when you were trying to conceive your second child again tools and things that we learn in hypnobirthing about you know relaxed body relaxed mind relaxed you know and it, it all you know you're talking about the tension in your jaw um if, you know do you follow the naked doula on instagram yes um, i do and so the naked, the naked doula she's a, a doula that does uh, amazing infographics and <laughs> um stories and um she does affirmation cards and cards for birth about birthing positions like the birth position but she's very no nonsense isn't she and her thing is um, floppy face floppy fanny so yeah your jaw needs to be relaxed because it is all linked we are all linked yeah, and, you know, and again some people are like what that just sounds too mental for me but you know <laughs> it is true like if you're if you're holding tension you, you know when you're trying to give birth you're not going to be relaxed and when you were no. to be relaxed and to be so it, it doesn't surprise me at all that whenever you were trying to conceive if you were so stressed and tense and you know holding that tension in your jaw that yeah things, things weren't happening um reproductively but it's yeah. amazing that you were able to to get the help and to seek the help to to conceive so yeah that's yeah brilliant. And it's, um, it's funny how it was such a random thing I went for that because I was having pain in my jaw and, and I was clenching my jaw at night and grinding my teeth and um and then and it was making my jaw really clicky during the day and I just thought it was because I'd had braces when I was younger <laughs> and, then, um, and then for that to come out of it yeah amazing blew my mind a little bit so is there anything that you wish you had um known um as a new mum then is there anything that you sort of wish? I mean, I know we, we've talked about it quite a bit, knowing that, you know, maybe to trust into your instinct. Is there anything, you know, that you, that you, you'd you known that you'd kind of want other mums to know now um, on their journey? Um, I, I suppose it would be that. It was just that you you might not be born, these babies are not do not come with a manual, but you are that baby's mum and you know what's best for them um try and lean into that as much as you can because with a lot of outside influence it does get muddled and I wish that I had burnt that book (laughs) I wish that I had not never read it so you know religiously as I had done I remember my mum saying to me afterwards months afterwards I'm so glad that you've got rid of that book because I wanted to take it away so many times (laughs) but you know she she's got she's a lot older and wiser than I was at the time so now I realize that actually it it wasn't and and it can be anything it doesn't have to be a book it can be following a person on Instagram who seems to have it all together and is perfect mum don't compare yourself ever because you don't know what goes on behind those shiny Instagram lenses it's not real and it's set up and it's probably 
promoting something as well. So mm-hmm. you can pretty much guarantee if there's a shiny, um, incredibly ridiculously perfect looking mum holding their smear free baby on Instagram, a photo of them, then it's going to be promoting something. So just mm-hmm. have a little look at the hashtags and see mm-hmm. and, and then and and just realise that everyone has horrible days and that actually it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're a terrible mum. It's just it's it's just normal and it's you know um yeah Lee said go with your gut instincts really that's what I would say to my 26 year old self if I was able to go back you know to first time mum for sure no that's brilliant thank you and I think it is to say like if if the book book is working for you then crack on you know yeah but if the book isn't working then yeah don't don't be or anxious about chucking the book just do whatever feels good for you and yeah I think that's a a massive take home for all parents um yeah and I agree with you about the Instagram it's like yeah I I, and I I regularly sort of think I'm gonna have to mute this person because you're making me feel not so great about myself um absolutely and that's not what it should be is it no if you have don't ever feel afraid to do that as well like if you've ever have following people that do make you feel a bit crappy about yourself then just yeah unfollow they're not going to care and you're exactly. not going to pop out on your pop up on your um social media and make you feel rubbish every time then it's not worth it it's really not that's been amazing thank you so much for sharing your story with us and your journey to recovery it's been amazing um i got, was getting quite emotional at some parts um of, of oh, the personal yeah. things that you shared and yeah. you know it's it, I really, really felt it um but you know that honesty I know is going to help so many people and you know going forward with wave hypnobirthing and becoming a, a midwife all of the, those experiences that you've had are going to make you just even more bloody awesome than you are now yeah so, oh, you. thank you so much for having me on I really appreciate it and I hope it's helped someone somewhere <laughs> thank you thanks Nicola If you feel that you may be suffering with any or all of the symptoms discussed in today's podcast, please reach out to your GP, your health visitor, Pandas Charity at pandas.co.uk or feel free to send me a message and I will do my best to signpost you to someone who can help. Please do not suffer in silence. You are not alone. for listening to little love hearts the podcast i hope you enjoyed it if you would like to find out more about hypnobirthing baby massage or baby yoga you can find me on instagram at little love hearts on facebook little love hearts and online at my website www.littlelovehearts.co.uk